The city is of night, but not of sleep. Their sweet sleep is not for the weary brain. The pitiless hours like years and ages creep. A night seems termless hell. This dreadful strain of thought and consciousness which never ceases, or which some moments stupor but increases, this, worse than woe, makes wretches there insane. From City of Dreadful Night. out there in the hinterlands. I'm Rock, and this is my co-host Max, and we'll be your guides as we traverse the halls of all things supernatural here at our new podcast, Nightmares and Daydreams. Yes, hello people, welcome. Here at Nightmares and Daydreams, we're going to discuss and debate our way through all things paranormal, legendary, and monstrous. Oh yeah, and fun. Yes, fun. Fun is important. But Max, do you want to know what's not fun? I do. Being kidnapped in the dead of night, taken from your bed by a relic from an elder age, spirited to her cave, skinned alive, and eaten. Yeah, you know, when it comes to things not being fun, that ranks pretty high on the list. Like right up there, and I'm with you a thousand percent. Pretty brutal. But then again, hags, who are the subject of this week's show, are the queens of brutality. Whether snatching you up from your bed, stealing your breath as you try to sleep, or dragging you down to be eaten in their watery lair. These elder forces of nature don't mess around. Humans are definitely on the menu. As we found out, there's some pretty gnarly tales out there involving hags. Mm-hmm. I mean, belief in hags was so prevalent across certain parts of Europe that many homes were built with very small windows so hags couldn't reach their long clawed hands into the house and pull kids out. Come on, Max. I'm calling shenanigans. No, it's true. Written on papyrus by the ancients, as we say. Or at least it was a tale told as recently as the 1940s. And in the days before glass windows, people would put protective herbs and hagstones over windows to keep the hags from reaching in and pulling kids out. Probably kept out witches, too. Which is a good thing. Indeed. And just as a quick note, because I know you're going to ask, a hagstone is a stone with a hole in it, like a naturally bored hole. Uh, it's hung in barns to keep hags away from horses and on bedposts to keep hags out of your room and off your chest. Well, I'm all for erring on the side of caution. Where hags roam, I'll take the house with the small windows with herbs and hagstones in place of glass, please. You know, I like the names we've come across. Super colorful. I'll bet some of our listeners that are thinking of names for any future offspring might even find one in this bunch. Dude, I've definitely been looking at that. That's, that's what I understand. And you're, it's nice trying to be a father when you're 50. But <laughs> I'll start. I'm not 50s, Peg Powler. She stalks the River Tees in northeastern England. And yes, she drowns and eats people. And Jenny Greenteeth from Yorkshire, honor of small waterways and ponds. Hated by dentists everywhere. Her ammo is very much like Peg Powler. Catch them, drown them, put them in a stew. Hey, whatever works, right? So now we're talking about Black Annis, the legendary blue-faced hag of the Dane Hills. She has a penchant for hunting and skinning children. Black Annis was also thought to be a remnant of the Celtic mother goddess Anu. More on her later. Meg Mucklebones from the Tom Cruise movie <laughs> Legend. <laughs> she, that's not a real hag, but definitely an homage to Jenny and Peg. Our girl, Nellie Longarms, uh, she's a genuine water hag based out of the village of Weebenberry. And she dwelled at the bottom of deep ponds in that area of England. 
and, of course, Baba Yaga, mm-hmm. although she's more of a, an all-powerful force of nature, running all over Russia in her chicken leg hut, mm-hmm. coming in and out chicken. of the thrice ninth lands, hates Vasilisa the Beautiful and Hellboy, mm. also nicknamed for Keanu Reeves in the John Wick franchise. You know, which in my opinion, sticking with Russian folklore, John Wick's nickname should have been Koshai the Deathless. Word. Because you just can't kill John Wick. And also, Baba Yaga's a girl. Let's focus. Just real quick, love the latest Hellboy <laughs> movie. FYI, CJ, I was a bit shaky. I'll admit, you know. All right. Back on track. Okay, my turn. Uh, let's talk about the unnamed witch from Hansel and Gretel. She was for sure a hag, as well as an excellent baker and builder of candy homes. Actually, that brings up a good point. Uh, Well, a question I had in mind. Mm -hmm. How exactly are we differentiating between a hag and a witch? There definitely seems to be some overlap, and the Hansel and Gretel witch is the perfect example. You know, true, and that's a good question. But personally, I think the reason that we might categorize her into hags is that she's, you know, at least to us in the story, kind of this vestigial nature spirit, just this creature out in the forest, you know? And as we know, nature is not always kind. Nor is candy. But, okay, so... It is delicious. That's interesting. So we're thinking that she's sort of a primordial nature or forest spirit, and the tale is kind of a lesson about the harshness, or at least the potential dangers of the woods. That makes sense. Yeah, just kind of one more boogeyman to keep the kids out. So, But exactly, well said. So uh, who's next? Uh, The Kikimora from Slavic Folklore. Also a monster in the excellent Witcher video game series. Oh man, The Witcher. Love that game. And so stoked for the new Netflix show. Not too sure about Henry Cavill as Geralt, but yeah, I think I'll do okay. All right, let's focus. Let's do uh, the Kaliak, which I might be totally butchering that. Uh, She's more of a goddess, Irish slash Scottish in nature, sometimes blue-faced, clad in plaid, haunter of moors and a bringer of storms, you know. And also she might play golf. We don't know. She might even like haggis. I think all Scottish uh, deities or demigods uh, play golf. definitely play golf. Well, yeah. they invented the game, so yeah. True. Makes sense. Yeah, so Kellyak, I've heard her called the mother of all. Also, she was more of a winter goddess, I think. Her staff freezes the ground. She created various mountain ranges in Scotland. And legend also says that she turns to stone around Beltane in the spring and comes back to life in Samhain in fall when winter approaches. Samhain. I pronounce it correctly, Max. <laughs> I love that band. Love me some Danzig. Settle down. We don't need an album review right now. <laughs> Let's continue. So the Night Hag, another stalker of Lonely Woods, as well as a classic old school D&D character. Need at least a plus one weapon to inflict damage on her. At least a plus one weapon. Uh, let's go on to the Old Hag, who's a haunter of dreams, robber of sleep, and so prevalent in today's culture that the term Old Hag Syndrome is a thing. More on that later. Indeed. Okay, so this next one kind of sounds uh, a little sketch, but the Boo Hag, vampiric creatures out of uh, Gullimuth. Belief is strong in the American South. I like this one. It's pretty wicked, very vampiric. The big difference between Boo Hag and vampires is the Boo Hag doesn't drink blood. They survive off a person's breath. Mm, That's interesting. I've definitely heard variations of that. Uh, The Norse version of a hag is called a Mara. And uh, she enters a room through a keyhole and brings nightmares. There's also a hag out of Polish lore called the Noknitsa. Now, she specializes in tormenting children at night, which prompts Polish mothers to hang iron knives near cradles and above doors. Obviously, super safe. You know, kids can just grab a knife if they need to. Never know who's coming in. It's all about self-defense. So, uh, Hagrid 
who's a large custodial <laughs> engineer, best beard literature, groundskeeper, rides a flying motorcycle, you know. Like these are real mythical elder goddess type creatures we're talking about here. Gotta have some respect. Real hags, cream of the crop. The cream of the hag crop, okay. <laughs> uh, so Hagrid obviously is not a hag, but the term hag-ridden is a real thing. Yeah, I've definitely heard that term. Yeah, as far as what it means today, hag-ridden, uh, you know, means worried, harassed, tormented by either guilt, success, etc. But the old school meaning literally is being ridden by a hag. So I think I've read about this. Like a night hag or some other night creature would get you out of your bed, jump on your back, turn you into a horse or some other beast of burden and ride you all over the countryside and then dump you off at your house in the morning, tired as hell, so you couldn't get rest or go to work. And she did this till you died, yeah? Yeah, that's more or less of a variation of those tales, yeah. The Irish puka is also said to do something along the same lines, as are some of the witches in the Appalachians, you know, practicing that mountain magic. Get you out of your bed, ride you all over the countryside at night, dump you off at your house in the morning until you basically lose all your vitality. Wicked. And you die. So, Hags been around forever, literally. Absolutely. They're remnants of chaos, vestiges of the elder world, of a time that existed before humanity. Like the 1970s. Yeah, the hags were nothing compared to disco. That was a truly horrific time. Indeed, point taken. So I'd like to get to the etymology of the word hag real quick. Apparently, it's presumed to be a shortening of the word hagtessa, an old English word for witch. It's also thought the word may have some connection to the Egyptian word hek, a uh, female ruler in ancient times. And the Dutch hex is a shortening of the Middle Dutch hegtisa. And these are terms apparently derived from the Proto-Germanic hagatusian. Also in Old Norse, there's hagi, which means sacred grove. So yeah, the word hag or some variation of it has been around quite literally since the beginning of human language. Congratulations on that great pronunciation of all those words. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, you know, I'm the sure word, the comments will agree. Oh, exactly. All the uh, those uh, Proto-Germanic Norse students are going to get on you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like the word's been around forever, kind of like hags themselves. And we brought up the night hag earlier, but for all hags, nighttime is the right time, if you know what I'm saying. Because they, like most night creatures, don't really hang out in the light of day. Yeah, like most creatures of darkness and chaos, hags come out at night, hunting for those foolish enough to be out and stay in whatever lair or den they have when the sun is out. Wise people stayed indoors when the sun was down, if at all possible back then. Traveling by night was really dangerous and decent roads were almost non-existent. Unwise was the wayfarer who traveled by night. Greedy eyes glittered, claws curled, teeth clicked. Nice. Shout out to the supernatural gangsters at Time Life Books, man. I love me some Enchanted World series. You know, Mysteries of the Unknown is solid, but the Enchanted World is just amazing, so much better. I definitely agree, and actually, I'm quite proud to say I finally finished collecting the entire set. Oh, nice. Like 35 years after they came out, right? Hey, man. Good things take time. Better late than never. Okay, so like we were saying, uh, in other instances, according to the lore, hags were definitely not above breaking law and entering into houses on their nightly hunting rounds. Everything was fair game. People back in the day had to find ways to safeguard themselves from these creatures by using holy talismans, herbs, iron, really whatever they could get their hands on. You know, in the hag, the old crone is an archetype that's found in cultures around the world. Some are wielders of magic and are pretty much, you know, witches or sorceresses, while others are these almost immortal, long-clawed, supernatural predators. Either way, hags are bad news when it comes to humanity because, as we said earlier, they were part of the Elder World, 
And we were the interlopers, the Johnny-come-latelys. And they didn't like that. And we might taste of chicken. Well, we did bring them tacos. I brought we the all, world tacos. We anyway. did, and we also brought brewskis, but there's just no pleasing some monsters. Yeah. So, are there instances that you've come across where hags are harmed by the dawn or the sun, like if they're caught out of their lairs after cockcrow? For example, Scandinavian trolls fall into that category. They're turned to stone if they are caught out in the daylight. Not specifically, no, but an interesting thing I read is that, I guess the more malignant or evil a... Uh, you know, and for the sake of argument, let's just call them night creatures. The more evil a night creature is, the more severe the punishment for being caught out in the daylight is. Okay, go on. So, for instance, minor creatures that don't pose significant harm to people, say boggles or some type of minor fae that are caught by the daylight, well, they might just lose their powers until nightfall and have to wait out the day somewhere until the doors to their world open back up. So, nothing too severe. I got you. Just sort of locked out of their houses, so to speak. Yeah, you know, but for night creatures, night roamers, such as trolls or hags and the like, hunters of humanity, the legends say that when they're caught by the dawn, well, the penalty can be severe as instant death. Some are turned to stone while others burn in the sunlight. Very vampiric. Absolutely. So yeah, you know, the freaks come out at night and are back in bed by dawn, preferably. If not, the sun burns them to cinders or turns them to stone. <laughs> I love this. It's fascinating. That's why we do it. You ready for a hag story? Absolutely. Black Annis lived in the Dane Hills, near Leicestershire, a blue-faced cannibal hag who terrorized the inhabitants of the region. Her den was known as Black Annis's bower and was carved with her own iron claws out of the very earth itself. In front of her cave grew a great oak from which Black Annis would ambush animals, the wayward child or foolish shepherd. She drank their blood, devoured them, and like a gruesome tanner, she would hang their skins on her cave walls and on the branches of the oak in front of her cave. Sometimes called Cat Annis or Gentle Annie, she's believed to be aspects of Anu or Dana, a Celtic mother goddess connected to the Tuatha Dé Danann. Some said she controlled the weather, and the storms in winter were often attributed to her. So believed in was this hag that on Easter Monday, it was a custom in days of yore to hold a drag hunt from Black Annis's bower to the mayor of Lester's home. The bait in this hunt was a dead cat drenched in aniseed, as Black Annis was presumed to be able to change her form into that of a monstrous cat. A tale was told of Black Annis by a World War II evacuee, a young girl from Leicester on Christmas Eve in 1942. The girl's tale relates just how much people in the area of Leicester still believed in the hag. According to the girl, Black Annis lived in the Dane Hills and she was ever so tall, had a blue face, long teeth, and ate people. She also only went out to hunt after the sun was well down. The girl's mum said that when Black Annis ground her teeth, people could hear the horrid noise well before she arrived. This gave the folk time to bar their doors and keep well away from the single window most homes in the area had. That's why homes in the area only have a single window and why it's so small. That way the hat could only get one arm inside. Black Annis was also the explanation as to why the fire and chimneys are built in the corner of homes now. The fire used to be in the center of the home, on the earth floor, and people would sleep around it until Black Annis grabbed the babies from the windows. This was before the days of installing glass on windows became a common practice. When the hag howled around the Dane Hills, her cry could be heard five miles away, 
and even the poor folk in huts hung skins in the front windows and put witch herbs above the doors and windows to keep her away. According to the tales, only the foolish ventured into the Dane Hills after dark, and many who did were never seen again. I absolutely love the fact that even as recent as the mm -hmm. 1940s, Black Annis was still believed in. It's so cool. I know, right? I'm with you. That's pretty sweet. You know, though, as far as cryptid sightings, she'd be close to last on my list. I'd rather have a friendly Bigfoot sighting because I like to think he's a vegetarian, you know, and that humans aren't on the menu like we are. He likes beef jerky, but yeah. Yeah, you know what? That's, you know, not made out of humans. But uh, yeah, you know, I think Bigfoot, we're not on the uh, menu like we are for Black Annis. True. Uh, and, I mean, let's be honest, she's always been one of my favorite folkloric monsters. She's a classic, you know, mine too, right up there with Baba Yaga. All right, who would win a fight? Black Annis uh, versus Baba Yaga. A titan versus a titan. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Rock referencing classic 80s movie, Clash of the Titans, Ray Harryhausen, enough said. There can never be enough said about Ray Harryhausen, but okay, I'll focus. Moving on, Max, let's real quick get into old hag syndrome. Cool. Cool. Yeah, you know, not so cool, not cool at all. Old hag syndrome no, is a condition cool. that's been a while <laughs> for quite some time. It's cool if you don't have it. So yeah, it's been a condition that's been around for ages. All right. So tell us more. So, you know, records of it go back literally hundreds of years. I would say it's been around since the days of yore. The Greeks were discussing it back in the second century, even. They blamed it on indigestion. So... No hot wings before dinner for the Greeks. No wings. People even had remedies of keeping the old hag away. One is placing a sifter under your head. The hag is forced to pass through every hole in the sifter, which takes her all night. <laughs> Very much like the legend that if you toss seeds or grains of rice before a vampire, the vampire has to count them all, giving you time to escape. I mean, any port in a storm, as we always say. Mm -hmm. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't old hag syndrome also called sleep paralysis? It is, but uh, people who suffer from it swear it isn't just sleep paralysis. Folks claim to have felt and seen an evil supernatural entity, some malevolent presence that immobilizes them, either by holding them down or sitting on their chest. Okay, gotcha. Very much like Henry Fusili's uh, 1781 painting, The Nightmare, yeah? Is that the painting where a sleeping woman has this creature sitting on a her chest while kind of a horse looks on from the shadow. Exactly. That's the one. That's a, dude, that's a scary painting. I know it because I've seen it so many times. It caused quite a ruckus when it uh, was first exhibited in 1782 at the Royal Academy of London. It was horror, folklore, and overt sexuality all rolled up into one creepy painting. But yeah, let's focus. Yeah, 1781. You probably think that's another modern painting, huh, Max? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of on the cusp, right? You know, Industrial Revolution, all that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Let's focus. Okay. Hey, at least we're not talking about 80s flicks. Eh, so, there's nothing wrong with 80s flicks. They're the best flicks. Back to hags. Okay. So old hag syndrome, as we very briefly touched on, is when an unknown supernatural entity, often taking the shape of a very old crone or hag-like being, literally takes your breath away by sitting on your chest and while doing so fills you with this intense otherworldly dread. Which, you'd expect that. Being unable to move in the middle of the night would be scary enough on its own. Throw in some entity that sits on your chest, pushing the life out of you? Hell no. Mm, it's like that weird gremlin in Cat's Eye, huh? You know, the classic 85 Stephen King movie? Here we go. No, but you, Max, you remember, right, that evil jester imp was stealing Drew Barrymore's breath and her cat saves the day? I do remember, but I believe you were just asking me to focus. Listen, that cat was a hero, Max. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> there aren't many cat heroes, mm -hmm. but... 
I saw a video of a cat like that on Twitter the other day. Or it wasn't a video, it was photos where like a person was like, dude, so like I kept waking up in the middle of the night, like unable to breathe. So I like, I put a camera mm -hmm. to see and on the camera, you can see pictures of the cat, like basically like laying on top of her mouth, like where she couldn't breathe. Like the cat was like. <laughs> so he was, so the cat wasn't, didn't have the head there. It was just laying no, on top like of it. laying on top of it, like. And like, so, like, like, like on top of the and person's then the person face? would wake up, but like I guess, I guess the cat had run off or whatever. But it's like, so they're like, why do I keep like not being able to breathe while I'm sleeping? And it's like, it was this fucking cat. <laughs> Try to just drown this. Okay, yeah. What were you just saying about Hank? Uh, I was saying how I found it interesting how many of the hags that we've named at the beginning of the episode are somehow tied into owed hag syndrome as well, not just queens of flesh-rending brutality. I don't think you were saying that, but that, that is interesting. Hey, that, that was a good save by me. But yeah, <laughs> you know, it super is really interesting. So you talked about the boo hag out of Gullah myth. I did, yeah. So in Gullah lore, the hag leaves her physical body and can also become this spiritual creature that sits on a person's chest, suffocating he or she. Again, the same business, the same ammo, stealing the breath. And that's where this term hag-ridden comes in, yeah? That's another version of it, correct. And in the American South, it's also called witch-writing. Yikes. Seriously. And again, the Mara from Norse myth, same thing. Sits on a sleeper's chest, brings night terrors. Okay, it seems many of the hags we've named occupy this position. Kind of robber of sleep, bringer of nightmares, taker of breath. This evil being intent on causing abject fear. You know, the question is, could they feed off fear? Could that be the objective of these breath-stealing entities? So Rudolf Steiner certainly thought there were spiritual entities capable of feeding off fear. Beings from beyond the veil that fed off fear, negativity, anxiety. Okay, so who's Rudolf Steiner? He's an Austrian theosophist, philosopher, writer, esotericist, who roamed the earth from 1861 to 1925. Now, this guy accomplished many things, including a spiritual movement called Anthroposophy. But I want to quickly touch on his belief that there was another realm where entities existed that fed off the darker or negative sides of our emotions. Yeah, please. It was this belief that beings from beyond the veil actually fed off anxiety, helplessness, despair, and fear. And that they were hostile entities and that it was up to us to overcome such emotions so that we'd be free of their attacks and essentially starve them. I think being free of those sort of feelings or emotions is a good thing regardless, yeah? For sure. And who knows? And maybe this old hag is one of those beings from beyond the veil that feeds off fear. Could be. She certainly causes it in those who suffer from old hag syndrome. Good. No thanks, man. Guard your thoughts, as they say. Oh, I just remembered another serious hag that we forgot to mention. Can't believe I forgot this one. Who is it? The sea hag. Not a sea hag, but the sea hag. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking from Popeye? Yes, that's one tough hag. She could have oh, murdered man. Popeye entirely if not for the spinach. You know, I think a large share of our loyal audience has no clue who Popeye is. Um, I mean, you might be right. He was a one-eyed vegetarian sailor with a bad attitude. Enough said. That's very concise. And thanks for the history lesson, Max. <laughs> you know, That's what I do. The late, great Robin Williams also starred as Popeye. And I think that movie came out in 82, 83. Please do not do a Popeye movie review. Max's episode is about hags. we got to focus, remain positive, and guard our thoughts, okay? Okay, I'm paranoid all of a sudden because <laughs> you never go off on movie review <laughs> tangents, right? I'm a pro, Max. This is Hag Central, my man. 
Like your Tinder page. Oh, snap. Max got the jokes. Okay, let's focus. Let's talk about Muma Pazuri. All right. Who's Muma Paduri? I would call her the Romanian Baba Yaga, but that'd be lazy. That's very lazy. So she had a chicken leg house that she used to cross multiple realities? No, but uh, she's believed to be an insane hag who makes her home in the middle of Romanian forest. Baba Yaga is this cannibalistic hag who lives in the middle of Russian forest. So you can see the similarities. Maybe. Okay. So Mama Paduri is just living there, going off the grid. Yeah, apparently she got tired of uh, staring at her phone at all hours and decided to become the protector of forest and the animals who live in that forest. You know, reconnect with nature, as it were. Gotta live in the moment. Muma Paduri sounds very much like the Leshy to me. Ah, uh, yeah, super close, except the Leshy protects Russian forest and animals and has a wife, the Leshonki. I like how so many of the Slavic myths have spirits paired up as husband and wife. I know, it's cool. I like the Vodanoi and the Rusalka, both water spirits. You know, but as we say, that's... That actually would be a good podcast for another day. It is, so that's one in the back burner. So... Muma Paduri kind of occupies the same space as Baba Yaga and the Kaliak and even Black Annas to an extent, and that each is thought to be lesser incarnations of various ancient goddesses or nature spirits. These protectors of nature, these aspects of nature, the embodiment of the changing seasons. So is the thought that these once proud, powerful forces of nature have kind of dwindled into hags? Sort of the same... Uh take as the theory that the Fey Fork sort of devolved into smaller, less powerful versions of themselves, maybe? I mean, could be. I think that's as sound as any theory out there. Could explain the animosity that the more bestial hags have against humanity. We kind of came into the scene and usurped the planet. Like we do. Uh, you know, they are not going quietly into that long night. Then, of course, they could just be hungry. And, you know, for the more predatory hags, we are mostly just hairless meat puppets. Fast food if a hag catches you, or mm. slow food. Yeah, kids in Europe, watch thyselves if you're alone near a mucky green swamp or some other suspect body of water, for in there might lay a hag in wait. Yes, wanting nothing more than the sup on your bones. That's gross, Max. Grinding your bones for their bread. That's even grosser, Max. Uh, let's do one more before we go, shall we? Yes, please, a bedtime story. The hours between dusk and dawn were fraught with peril in the old world. The small light brought by candles, lanterns, and small rush fires were little defense against the legions of the night, as this Scottish tale shows. From where the hag came, no one knew. The people of the small fishing village of Cromarty only knew that it was certain death if she visited your cottage. Clad in green, the hag was a child predator and she had a twisted element of motherly devotion in her nightly visitations, for in her arms she carried a wizened demon child with clawed hands and eyes of fire. On silent feet she would stalk the small streets of the town, peering in windows as the sun went down and darkness fell. How she chose her victims was a mystery. With the moon high in the household in deep sleep she would enter, for no latch or lock could keep her out. As she stood over the cradle, for the hag only chose homes with infants, nothing more than a slight whimper would issue from her tiny victim. Then the hag would go to the hearth room, and in the light of the waning fire, she would bathe the creature she carried in the warm blood she drew from the human child. That poor child would never open its eyes again, 
its youth and vitality stolen by a predator from the elder world. Some said the hag was a forest spirit, while others said she was a vector of plagues. The old ones believed she only entered homes that had not been blessed, thereby leaving those inside open to her unwelcome visitations. Now, that's creepy. And now I know how I got this cold. <laughs> no one said, bless me. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Kind of unnerving, though, how she was able to just go in and out of houses whenever she felt like it. Exactly. Like she wasn't even invited. Well, she's not a vampire. Indeed, she's not. So, guys and gals, that's going to do it for us this week. And a huge thank you for hanging out with Max and I. Please tell your friends about our little podcast. Yes, indeed. Tell all your friends, enemies, frenemies, mm-hmm. anyone who might like the show. Also, give us a shout out on Twitter. Visit our websites at nightmarespodcast.net and check out our Facebook page. And if you're so inclined and like what we've been doing, head on over to Apple and give us a review and a five-star rating, of course. They really help a new show like ours. The music for our show is Calliope's Called by Teresa Joy. Find her at Violbright, V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E, on the Gram and Facebook. And as always, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.